Welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman, a podcast loaded with practical tips, powerful scripts, personal stories, and simple steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. So get ready to get the information you need to make the impact you want from someone you trust, your friend, parenting expert, Dr. Robin Silverman. We live at a time when many parents out of love do so much for their kids, so much so that the kids are not really learning the skills they need in order to thrive. This is one of the reasons why I created one of my free bonuses for how to talk to kids about anything. The big book launch It's 118 skills to teach kids by age 18. It's a checklist of 118 skills that allows you to ensure that your children are ready to thrive on their own by the time they leave home. And you can access that bonus list and several more at drrobinsilverman.com under the tab book. So welcome to how to talk to kids about anything. Now, what happens when you are not raised in a home where parents are doing a lot for the kids? Maybe because they can't, maybe because they won't, maybe their life situation dictates that the children need to be more independent and scrappy to survive. Yes, that might be something that happens to you. And what if you're raised in a home where you wonder if you have food on the table and there's anger and shame and that becomes the norm? How can we learn to show up for ourselves, to strategize ways to succeed and hustle and learn and become? And then how, as a parent, can we instill these lessons in our children so that they can live boldly no matter how they started off in life? I think we can all learn something from my next guest who created the life she wanted by discovering the strength she needed was within her all along. Nicole Walters was raised in poverty in an immigrant family and became a top-selling corporate executive who quit her six-figure sale job and built a million-dollar business in one short year. She is the host of a popular podcast, a motivational speaker, a mom of three beautiful daughters, and the author of Nothing is Missing, a memoir of Living Boldly. It's out October 10th, just like me. We are book twins, and I adore this fabulous woman. Welcome, Nicole, to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. My word. I am so grateful to be here, and Dr. Robin, you are incredible. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm thrilled to have you. Now, before we get into Nothing is Missing, which is a great book, I read it cover to cover. Can you tell me what lights you up? Oh, what lights me up? I'm going to be completely honest. The thing in this season that is getting me glowing, looking at my baby's face, my 11-year-old, she still looks a little bit like a baby. Mm. And I still see the softness in her features, but I also see her jawline starting to shape out. Her squeaky baby voice is gone, you know? So I just find myself looking at her sometimes and smiling. And and (laughs) it's the easiest thing that gives me the greatest joy. That makes me laugh because my son, who's 13, is like, why are you looking at me like that? Don't make it weird, mom. (laughs) I mean, she catches me. I mean, one time I came into her room after getting in late from work and I, you know, peep in over, you know, over her because she's in bed. She wakes up and she looks at me. She's like, mom, this is weird. (laughs) 
and she and then she sits up and gives me a hug and it's like I just am eating it up right now because she's mm-hmm. 11 so I'm like just eating this up until she wants to be with her friends you know yes well it'll happen because it's developmentally appropriate but at the same time that doesn't make things easy yeah so your book starts off with your childhood and you give us a sense of how you grew up you talk about your mother, you talk about your father, you talk about your teacher, this beautiful person who was really helpful, but not all of it is pleasant by any stretch. And while I was reading and underlining and starring, I wondered, because I really felt like you balanced this very well, and you talk later about this sort of this sort of paradox in people, but what two or three lessons do you feel like you learned from interacting with the adults in your life when you were younger that gave you a model of what to do or what not to do as you developed into a young woman? Oh, this is such a great question. Well, I think the first and biggest lesson I learned was that adults don't always have the answer. Mm. And it took me a very long time to understand that there should be grace coupled with not having the answer, that adults aren't expected to have the answer, but there is this youthful thing that I think dissolves probably a lot later than when it did for me. It was pretty much gone by nine, uh, where you look at adults as these trusted experts in the room that are the walking embodiments of Google. And whenever you have a problem, you can go to them and then they will have a solution. And I learned very early on that that is not always the case with adults. That's the Mm -hmm. first thing. The second thing that I learned, I think, at a very early age uh, from adults is that adults are also a very good resource Mm -hmm. and they are open and willing and desire to help. This is something that um, obviously isn't uniform, you know, Mm -hmm. with every adult, but I really, truly to this day believe that our core baseline nature as humans is to help and serve each other Mm -hmm. with what we have. And um, that was affirmed when I was younger. There was always an adult who did want to help or who did want to stand in the gap. And that, that was true from when I was young. And then I think the last thing that I learned from adults, uh, which really didn't come to full understanding when I was younger, was that they have complete lives of their own that you may not understand. Mm-hmm. And when I was younger, that really manifested in confusion for me because I didn't understand how an adult can enter one room in one emotional state and then end up being in a different emotional state and how I would have to interact with that as a child. Um, And that's evidence in a lot of stories, you know, in my book, when I would talk about my father sort of picking me up from school and being upset and me not understanding where that anger came in because it was a normal day to me, you Mm. know? And so I was aware, very aware, that adults had other stuff going on. It wasn't Mm. until I got older that I really had an appreciation for how much adults have going on. Mm. That's so beautiful. I really uh, can appreciate these three items that you extracted. And I found it interesting. Your final one, because I remember when you were talking about when your mom and you were visiting her home place where she, you know, got off that plane and she seemed so much more confident and, and yeah, and lit up and that she was the owner of one of the stalls. And this was all surprised to you. I also find it interesting though, based on what you're saying, and I just want to underscore this, that when you're saying adults don't need to know all the answers and 
they do have some answers. I just want everybody to take that in, that when your child is asking you questions, if you don't know the answer, it's okay to say, I don't know. It's okay to say, let's look that up together. It's okay to bridge them to somebody else who may be more knowledgeable in that particular area. For example, uh, you know, when my daughter was asking me about breastfeeding because I hadn't done it, of course, because I'm an adoptive mom and I hadn't done that, I was, I said, hey, you know, Aunt Heather would be a great person to ask that to. That's one of my very dearest friends who at the time was pregnant. Um, and you could ask those questions. She had two other children who were biological. So you don't need to know all the answers, but you do have many, and we do have great experiences that we can come from. It's just important to know that you don't have to have all of them. And I really appreciate that. I think we all do. Yes, and this is so powerful. I think what you're calling out here, a lot of my book talks about that confusion and me sort of stumbling into different moments in my life trying to figure it out, yeah. you know, and the beauty of it is she figures it out, right? Yes. You know, that is hardly a spoiler alert because boy, is there a <laughs> lesson in the figuring out. But what was, what you're calling out to me that's also powerful as a mother of three adopted kids of my own is that, you know, letting your kids know that you're willing to stand in the confusion with them is so mm -hmm. much more powerful than letting them be in the confusion alone mm -hmm. because then they don't have to be scared of not knowing and they feel empowered to seek out answers mm -hmm. so that that is really i mean you always give solid feedback but it's so neat chatting with you about my book and being able to look at it from the lens of an expert who's able to see like, look, there are so many things to extract from this. So yes, uh, yes, for me, 100%, my a lot of my childhood was confusion, you know, and sort mm -hmm. of out. Um, but you're right, adults were there as an answer. It's, it's, it's great. And that and in and, and coming from that, if we dig in a little bit deeper, even in your intro, you talk about, you're talking to us, it's almost like a love letter to us. Like, we can't wait for a mentor to drop in our lap, the teacher to drop in our lap, the, the chance to come and find you. So for those people who are listening either for themselves or because they're advising their kids as a parent, I have a lot of educators on, a lot of coaches who work with children in the after-school arena, teaching gymnastics and martial arts and swim and dance and cheer. What piece of advice with regard to how to make your life happen, even as a teenager or a kid or as a young adult, what advice do you have to make your life happen rather than waiting for something to come by, drop in your lap and sort of make it easy? Well, what's interesting about that is first, your, your listeners, all the friends who are gathered here for this chat are saints. Okay. I mean, my <laughs> word, they are nothing but the people who are underappreciated, underpaid, undervalued, and most needed and cherished because you guard our babies. So thank you to all of you. But, um, you know, when it comes to really setting out and achieving all the things you want to achieve in your life, I can be really transparent. I mean, I adopted three kids that I met from the side of the street in Baltimore. I didn't know mm -hmm. what I was doing when I stepped in to be a mom. You know, soon after that, I quit my job live online in front of 10,000 people to branch into entrepreneurship because I needed to make money to take care of these kids. You know, I was 28 at the time. Like, I did not know what I was doing. And I talk about that through these moments in the book. You know, I 
fortunately, childhood taught me to be comfortable with a little bit of confusion and not knowing. And mm. I, if there's anything I can tell anyone who's in a position where they're saying to themselves, I do want to build things for myself. I do want to branch out and live completely and answer the call. It's that you aren't going to have all the answers, mm -mm. that you aren't going to be able to move forward with perfection and you will absolutely feel fear and um and a little bit of anxiety even if you know it's right you know and uh we can all say that about being a mom when you decide whether biologically or adoptive you know or through surrogacy that you are going to carry a child or have a child in your home you have no idea what the teen years will bring okay that's mm. the thing me and dr robin were <laughs> joking about now with our pre yes but we still do it because we are certain it's going to be meaningful and we trust mm -hmm. ourselves to be ready to attack it. And we know that we're going to handle all those resources and we need to apply that sameness to ourselves and mm -hmm. to what we want to pursue and know that, you know, cheesily enough, like my title, nothing is missing. You have everything you need and including the ability to find and ask for what you need in order to get the job done. Mm. Uh, it's it's important for us to kind of just realize that it's almost a permission. It's a permission yeah. to be confused. It's a permission to not do it all on our own. You and I were even talking right before we got on today about, you know, working together and things that, you know, how do you expand what you're saying to more people and how do we get the, these uh, we have book twins our books into the hands of different people who may not have been following us right now or haven't listened to my podcast or haven't listened to your podcast and and these are people who would both really enjoy this so right. how do we do that well you know you you ask you uh, offer you you extend a helping hand right. uh, which is really important and and something i think our kids need to learn I, you mentioned your daughters and I just want you to kind of clue people in because it's such a good story. It's such an important story, but, and so much of what you've done is, I know you worked for, but it also feels so faded in so many ways. So how did meeting your daughters change you and what, what happened and what do you always want to remember about those first experiences? that, that changed you? Oh, you're going to make me teary. I don't, I, you know, it's amazing because the way that you position your questions really takes me back there. So, um, you know, the thing that I remember the most, you know, for, for those who aren't all caught up, um, you know, I was driving down a Baltimore city street and, you know, anyone who has that mom chip in them. And I mean, that truly is educators, aunts, grandmothers, you know, moms, you know, moms, that yeah. that dads, dads, right that chip in them that says, that doesn't look quite right. I mean, I saw my daughter panhandling on the side of the street with her bio mom and it was 10 o'clock, it was October, it was cold. I was like, this is not adding up the way I'd like it to. And I feel very strongly that I should pull over and just inquire, you know, and mm -hmm. so I did that. And, um, you know, long story short, within a month, I'd met this three-year-old, her 11-year-old sister and her 14-year-old sister. And I'd been supporting them as a mentor and, um, you know, going to their school, bringing them groceries. You know, I just lived down the street. I was 28 at the time. So I was like, I'll just help out how I can help out, you know? And uh, their mother did tell me she was going to be incarcerated for substance abuse. And so at that point I said, okay, well, what's going to happen to the girls? You know, which I think is literally what everybody who has that chip right now is saying in their head, you know? And I said, well, I'll, I'll take them. 
you know, so they don't go into the system, so they don't get split mm. up. And so they can stay as much in their life because I lived in the same school area as they're in right now. So I ended up getting in all three of these girls and kind of, you know, caring for them. But when their mother was, you know, released, it was very clear that we'd at least entered at the start a co-parenting situation. And, mm. you know, very quickly it became, you know, from mentor to mom. And, you know, that was almost a decade ago. So that being said, the thing from that time frame that and this is being super transparent that I remember the most and honestly that I want to hold on to get back to and reclaim from 10 years ago is this fire I had to create solely because I was experiencing the benefit of giving completely. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, and I think everyone kind of understands what I'm saying, this fresh start feeling that I think a lot of us felt like we've lost since sort of the pandemic and our lives Mm -hmm. kind of being upturned in the past couple of years, just really wanting to build and dive in and create. And this book is so much of that for me, Mm -hmm. me saying, you know what, I'm, I'm not just talking about business consulting, you know, my trade and my skill, you know, I'm telling you the why behind the what, here's how, you know, I can tell you what I built and I can show you how to build that but here's why I built it. And it really is about my family. It's Mm -hmm. about these girls. I I want to be available to them. I want to leave a legacy for them. I want them to love themselves and know that their destiny is not going to be dictated by where they started. And this book does that for them and hopefully for everyone else. Mm. I think that people could, wouldn't fault you for feeling like you are not enough given where you started I don't think that your the people would fault your girls for feeling like they were not enough and you while you have a chapter devoted to you are enough I felt like that thread was throughout your book it's something that I explore in my book as well like I mentioned you and I both mentioned there's a lot of overlap between It's yeah, just, they go together. It is like, I mean, we literally were talking about it before that I almost feel like we'd be remiss to not let people know that there's almost a bundling of the yeah. two, you know, because it's an understanding that I think really helps, you know? Yes. So, yes. Okay. It's so interesting how the two of them coincide and, and the concept of you are enough. I, my, one of my chapters is, is, is on that, how to talk to kids about being enough about, yeah. Uh, their self-esteem, about their self-confidence, about their body image. So mind coming from what to say to help kids understand their worth, their strengths, their abilities, their comfort in their own skin, yours, helping people discover that they had strengths within them all alone, all along. They didn't need to do anything, but discover them, develop them, use them. So how did you help your own daughters see that they were enough as they were so that the parents and teachers and coaches who are listening, who know, who have in their head that child who needs this so badly, how did you help your daughters to realize that they were enough as they were? So I'm going to, again, you know, I'm always very candid, say all of this, being very open to whatever your feedback is, because you're the professional in the room to contextualize this and tell me kind of what I did well and what I didn't because um, each of my daughters was different. And I think that that's something a lot of parents 
can understand that, you know, mm-hmm. you these kids and honestly, through the toddler phases, they might have a different energy levels and personalities, but you know, we're feeding them, we're changing them, that, but they get to sort of this preteen phase where they really start self-identifying with their own, you know, maybe I have one that's a little more quiet or one that's a little bit more bold, right? you know, and then maybe they change again at 18, you know, that sort of thing. So I can honestly say, especially with the sprinkling of the adoptive ick, you know, where mm-hmm. there's, you know, things that existed long before I was in the room, you know, my eldest daughter's 24 right now, and she is a year into her sobriety journey. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, well, you'll hear in the book kind of how that uh, played out, but she was dealing with worse things that existed because I got her at 14 long before mm-hmm. me. And, um, and a lot of things that happened within her journey are, um, I mean, transparently, she looked at me at one point and said, how can I believe that you love me when my own mother did? Uh-huh. You know? right. And it's the most heartbreaking thing you can hear because, you know, um, her, when I look at her, I, and I tell my girls this all the time, when I look at them, they're like diamonds mm-hmm. walking around, you know, that's what I see is I see diamonds walking around. So I cherish them that way. And, um, so my eldest one, honestly, the way that I've been able to show her her worth is I always treat her with the respect that she can't find anywhere else. Mm. She knows that, um, I does, there's nothing she can do to, because I mean, here's the hard part of being a mom, your kids are the worst to you and mm-hmm. anyone else, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She's so safe to truly yep. let me see the worst of her in a way she wouldn't with strangers. And no matter what she has shown me, I have made very clear to her, I am never leaving. And that lets her know that, I mean, she keeps coming back no matter what she knows, whether it's for a recipe on how to make broccoli to, you know, figuring out her sobriety and getting into treatment, she knows I am a safe landing spot for her that is stable. Um, But that is a work in progress. My middle daughter, who is 21, and she is the daughter who, you know, by on paper is the, you know, obedient and well, and, you know, well managed and, you know, self caring like that. But she also had been uh, parentified, you know, or parentification, mm-hmm, you know, where mm-hmm. she was in charge of keeping things together, taking care of the little one and, you know, cooking meals, being responsible. And it was wonderful that she's so helpful, but mm-hmm. her, her worth exists beyond how she serves within a home. Mm. A lot of it has been for her having fun with her, encouraging her to have a good time, giving her the freedom to get out in the world and Mm -hmm. uh, letting her know she has the space to experience and she's safe to do that. And um, the way that I've shown her she's worth spoiling herself and loving herself is by taking parenting off of her. Mm -hmm. You know, everything is fine. I've got it. You can go be messy in the world. And um, that's what's worked for her. And then for my little one, my 11 year old, her worth has absolutely come from being very clear and intentional from age three with the language about letting her know, do you know how amazing you are when you wake up? And do you know that as crazy as the world may be, that you would do a, such a good job at keeping yourself safe? Mm-hmm. And do you know what a hard worker you are and how proud I am of how hard you work? And do you think you're a good friend? And she'll say yes. And I'll say, tell me some ways that you think you're a good friend. And, um, and I'm like, that's amazing. Do you think there's anything I can, I also am very open with parenting with her. I always ask her for feedback. So basically it's just sort of these things where I try to make sure in a world that seems to make your worth 
have to be tangible or material mm-hmm. or validated through ways that you accomplish things. With my little one, I've really worked hard to let her know that her worth is something that is intangible in mm-hmm. and does not go up and down based on what she does during the day. So when she brings home an A, that's terrific. But I want you to know that even if you brought home a C, I would still love you and yes. you are amazing and you are worth everything in the world. And this is just a measurement of what you do in school. It is not a measurement of who you are. So mm-hmm. contextualizing is what I do a lot with her. And I, I just pray it works. Being completely honest, Dr. Robin, I'm ready for you to tell me that I'm a hot mess express. Mm. Because I have a Target trip later today and I just mm-hmm. restocked on cheese. I can cry in the so car. You, oh. see how I'm doing. I, I think I you know. are doing beautifully. I'm oh so, I'm just, I am just completely swept away. And I think it is beautiful that you see your girls as individuals and that they know that you're the safe haven. That is incredibly important. I I'm hearing you say with your, you know, with your first one that you help her to see her worth that she wasn't getting from everyone else, which was what you were saying. But I also feel that you were helping her to see the worth that she couldn't see herself. Correct. And and still doesn't honestly, you know, and that and it's so so important. Yeah, you know, right. It's not understanding that you're worth treating yourself exactly. And, you know, so yeah, yeah, and and being able to help her to borrow mm-hmm. the faith you have in her until she can develop it on her own. What a beautiful way to parent. It and understand she drives me crazy of she course me crazy but right i tell you the work that and you you talk about this a lot you know the work that it takes of suppressing your own feels to not bring it into <laughs> you know it. kids is everything yes yes it is it is you're right and i would say with your second one i love i love how you are helping her to to really see her worth and that it goes beyond what she can do for others. So many of us are people pleasers and, you know, and how can I serve you? And and I absolutely did that in my life, uh, especially in friendships where it was, you know, what can I do more for you? And then forgetting that I probably should be treated in, in the same way. Um, that that happened to me a lot, and I it, I'm 49 now and only finally getting a real handle on it. I would say that one of the exercises that I do in the book that would I feel like would be so helpful, and that you're doing so beautifully with your third, is helping her to identify who she is. Her I am statement that goes beyond I am what I am related to other people. I am a good friend. I am a good daughter. I am, you know, whatever serves people. I'm good at cooking. I am the things that serve people. And instead also I am vivacious. Um, I, I am a reader. I, these are things that feed me. I'm curious what she would do to answer those questions. Right. Because those, that I am statement carries you throughout your life and how beautiful you do that with your, with your third, without even thinking about it. You know, do you know how amazing you are when you wake up so that she can take in, I am a good person. I am amazing. I am a student. I am 
uh, a failure at times and I am in a success at other times and it doesn't it doesn't impact how my mother feels about me. All of those things are extremely important for kids to realize that there is consistency. Um, that one of the chapters that I do on how to talk to kids about success and failure talks specifically to that, that kids need to understand that our love, no matter what you do, will not change. I love you every single day. I'm irritated with you right yeah. now. Okay. Yeah. I may, I'll say that to my son. Mm-hmm. He's like, I love you, mom. I'm like, I love you so much. I can barely stand it Yes. <laughs> right now. I am so frustrated with you, yeah. but doesn't, doesn't affect my love for you. And, and kids do need to hear that. So I, I so appreciate all of those ways that you're, that you parent your children and understanding that the parenting doesn't end at 18. I was the biggest lie ever told. I I feel so sorry for the toddler mommies that are listening now thinking, (laughs) I just can't wait till 18. I just want to let you know, it does not stop, but it does change. It does change. It becomes and it is a beautiful thing. And I actually am, you know, I adopted my girls older. So I'm really grateful. I'm, I'm approaching, you know, the early 40s. We'll talk about it. I'm in the 40s range. And yes. that said, you know, there's something to be said for having a 24-year-old now. You right. know, I'm in this window where I can go to concerts with my girls. Oh, nice. Travel together because we like the same music. Nice. You know, it's this really sweet relationship. But I'm also still distinctly mom. You know, so mm-hmm. you're still parenting because, like, my 21-year-old, you'll love this. My 21-year-old just moved in with her first boyfriend. And I've got all the thoughts, right? Of As course, mom, all the thoughts. thoughts. Like, Are you sleeping like, in different rooms? Oh, oh, all <laughs> the thoughts. All the thoughts. You know, I'm like, you know... Why, like you had your own place. Why would you move in with this guy? You know, and I say this thing that I love this guy. Like part of yeah. my thoughts are, I think he could be the one. Yeah, you know. So I'm like, how does she preserve this thing? Because she's planning not get married till thirty or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you do for ten years? So the difference in the relationship is because she's twenty one. She's just barely outside of the realm of me saying heck no. You yeah. know, right, right, right. You, you know, she's saying to me, mom, because of our relationship this is what I'm thinking of doing. Can you tell me if there are any gaps in what I'm seeing? Ooh, wow. Impressive. Oh, and that is like the greatest gift. So knowing that she's even giving me that because she doesn't have to, I I just treat it with such tender care, you know, and I give her feedback around that. And then I have to really honor, this is the hard mom part. I have to honor that she's going to do what she wants still, but that my voice is in her head and hopefully she'll see the things as they come up so that she's able to hopefully see and attack them and she'll thrive. She'll be fine. But you know, the parenting looks different. It looks very different, but it's still a blessing. I will say just as an aside, my husband and I were together for 10 years before we got, we, we uh, adopted. And that 10 year period, I mean, we were married, but like, you know, we weren't, we didn't have kids. So it wasn't like, you know, you hear about people having like starter marriages, like, you know, and less to, to divide and whatever, but it gave me such a stable foundation to, to come from. And that I would hope for your daughter that she just takes this time to develop herself and learn and then develop the relationship as it grows and changes. You know how relationships change from age 21 to 30. Holy moly. And how we change so much. So 
there's the one of the questions that I have for you, it's kind of it's kind of a different direction, but at the same time, it's still it's still stemmed in in everything we were talking about. You had a very difficult conversation to have with one of your daughters. And uh, we've had on our show uh, doctors and um, people who uh, who've had a similar situation or were that child who actually had an illness. Um, we had a doctor who was the child and then became the doctor. That is oh, fascinating. Wow. Just like amazing, amazing stuff. So would you tell us about the conversation you had with your daughter that was extremely difficult to have and how it it created both change and stability in your relationship? Yes. So, I mean, and I'm so excited to hear your take on this because I've never had it. You know, I've only <laughs> shared it and I've only experienced it, but I really don't know what I did right or what I could have done differently. So, um, uh, in 2019, my middle child, my sweet little one was diagnosed with uh, stage four cancer um, and given a few months to live. Mm. Gratefully, she's here and driving me crazy and moving in with her boyfriend. So all <laughs> the dramas, she, you know, end of story, she's fine. However, that journey, you know, through chemotherapy and that mm. process was so much. Now, the day that we found out, I got a phone call, obviously, from her doctor saying lab work came back bring her in ASAP something's mm -hmm. going on mm -hmm. and, um, and it's very rare I think that anyone who sadly has gone through this journey or received a diagnosis of any sort we all know that doctors don't like to diagnose on the phone you know right and, so, and mamas also feel a feel so I knew it wasn't good right and what was difficult was the relationship that I built and I've talked to you about this Dr. Robin offline but the relationship that I built with my girls is one where we're transparent because right. They've been in homes where people have lied, where adults have not been able to be trusted. They aren't consistent. So it was really important in our home to always say, if something felt like not to walk around as the adults who are angry and not say, I'm angry, you know, right. to, to not uh, have things happen and say, oh, everything is fine, because that confusion was really traumatizing for our girls. So here I am with the worst news I would ever wish on any parent, you know, and not knowing whether or not to tell her because we're still trying to figure out all the nuances. And I hardly had all the information to contextualize it for her. So, um, you know, we take her in and she's sitting in the ER bed and they're doing blood work and we don't have any answers. And it was then that I looked at her and I could tell she's looking at me like, mom, what's going on? You know, and I talk about this and the whole journey in the book. And she finally says to me, mom, what's going on? And I say to her, you know, Chrissy, this could be anything from pneumonia all the way up to and including cancer. And cancer is a very real possibility. And I want you to know that whatever it is, even cancer, that I am here, I'm not leaving, we will find the answers. And there is there are answers and we're in the right place i'm here for you and we will do whatever's required and she looks at me in shock and says cancer you know and um and i of course as the mom you know and trying to keep it together yeah and she looks at me and says cancer and then the next sentence she says is i'm not going to die from this if it is and i said okay well if that's if that's what it is then that's what we will do you know mm -hmm. allowing her to set the terms of 
what this is because it's her body. And, um, you know, and to tap into the latter part of what I've learned about the parenting relationship her and of myself was in that moment, I never, you think you know what it's like to be a mom through the adoptive process, but it's, this was a next level because I really understood the take my blood, take my body, give me the disease. I'm trying right. to get choked up still, you know, like I, I will take this on so that she doesn't have to fight this. And, um, and I also understood that she was always looking to me as her safe person in the room mm-hmm. to, to get an answer and a read on what she didn't know. Cause she may not understand all the words, you know, right. is this a safe space for me? Is mm-hmm. everything okay, mom? She was reading my face and my one job during that process, because I couldn't do anything else, I could not heal her myself, was to make sure that whenever she looked at me, she found peace, comfort, and energy to continue mm-hmm. the journey, because that was all I could lend. And mm-hmm. then to be there as her advocate to listen. Mm-hmm. To, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been stern with doctors in the hallway. And oh, came, sure. You know, yeah. I came back in with Pop-Tarts, you know, right. and said, everything's fine. Let's keep watching, you know, dance moms. You mm-hmm. know? And, oh, yeah. And, you know, and the thing that I think she learned was that mom's not leaving and you know she will murder for me she is crazy mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? she mm-hmm. is she is my my fighter and I have her and mm-hmm. I can trust her and um yeah it was I I don't know if I told her that the right way I didn't know what to do I'm gonna be honest I didn't know what to do well who does I mean you I think you did a beautiful job and being transparent is so important for parents who are listening some of these you know some of these very hard conversations you do need to be transparent and you also need to be age appropriate and knowing how much is too much to tell your child in that particular moment that there are, it's never going to be one conversation, but a series of conversations. We yeah. don't have to get it all in on one, like, here's all the things, here's yeah. everything that's going on. I think you did a beautiful job keeping that door open so that your child knew that they, you know, she could ask questions, that you were going to tell her the truth, that you were going to make sure she understood and that you were going to ask her, is there anything else you need to know? What else right. do you need in order for you to take this information in? And if they weren't, she, you weren't clear or she wasn't clear, you would ask. That's You'd right. be her advocate. Um, and the people who've been listening to this podcast for a long time know that I went through this with a with a very close friend of mine and and her son, um, and and was there for for many of these incredibly important steps. We had her daughter on the show to talk about it from the sibling perspective, um, and it's in my book too. It's it is an incredibly challenging thing to go through, and that there are a lot of people involved. That yeah. it's hard to be. Um, you know, as you were saying, uh, the mom in this situation, it's also hard to be the the siblings in this situation and, and feel like you're, you feel helpless. And am I important here about that either? Because no, that sister is sick right now. Exactly. So where do I fit in and how, you know, where do I get my importance from? And there's, there's so much to this. I think you did a, a, a wonderful job listening to your gut and being really present for your child. Uh, kids need to be able to understand because if they are not able to trust you in these really important conversations, they don't know when to trust, right? They don't know who to trust. And this is happening to their body. This is happening to them. 
uh, even though it feels like it's happening to us or we feel like we wish it would happen to us. So I, I really appreciate what you're saying here um, about that transparency and about being that an advocate. Before we end up, and I feel like I could talk to talk you forever. all day because like I have so many other questions, but we, you know, then people would be like, oh my gosh, I need to like quit my job just so I can listening <laughs> to this. I have like questions about race and gender and like oh, mistakes yes. and failure of oh. like so many more questions. I mean, I'm we, like, this is, we have to get together again. Because, clearly, you know, you, in my book, I talk about being married to a white Jewish man. And yes. And I'm daughter. a white Jewish woman. Yes. And, <laughs> and raising three black daughters yeah. and, you know, being, I just so much more oh, to talk about so many nuances. Yeah. I know. I feel like we need to do a whole one on adoption. Like, I, I mean, and there's just, there's so many more, like I have all these other questions, but we, we can't go over them all the time. So I'm going to be on your podcast and we'll yes, talk we about them and you can be on mine more and we'll do more like, so that we can go into this. Cause as it was, I was like, I'm going to jump around cause there's so oh, many things, so but yet I did not get to ask you everything. So coming from this first podcast with us together, what would you say your top tip is? Like, where would you, how, how do you want people to come away from listening to this, from hearing your story, from reading your book? Like, what is your top tip that you would hope people would come away with that they would then apply to their own lives or their lives with their children? Oh, the number one thing that I tell new moms, long-term moms, and anyone who looks at my life or reads my book and says, you know, I'm inspired, but girl, you did a lot, right? You know, <laughs> is, is grant yourself some grace mm -hmm. and know that if you are interested and in doing your best, that is enough mm -hmm. because there's mm -hmm. going to be mistakes. There's going to be curveballs. You're going to learn. You're going to repeat mistakes. So if you get really good at granting yourself some grace, as you meet each fresh start, knowing that you're doing your best, that's enough to keep you going and you will absolutely achieve the goals you're seeking out. Mm, that's good stuff. Okay. Where can we get more information about you, your book and the work you're doing? Oh my goodness. Well, you'll be able to catch an episode with Dr. Robin for sure. <laughs> on the Nicole Walters podcast, probably several because no. I, you know, I'm, while I'm here talking about the book and doing all the fancy pants stuff, y'all, like I'm also a secretly a hot mess. I'm the mom who is avoiding the other moms at the bus stop because I'm awkward. I'm the mom who's in Target eating snacks and watching TV in the car. Like I am, I've got thoughts and I need you to help get me together, Dr. Robin. So <laughs> I'm there. That's where you'll catch our new burgeoning <laughs> best friendship. So over there for sure. And then um, you also can grab the book. Anywhere books are sold right now on pre-sale or at nothingismissingbook.com. And I'm on tour. So starting October 9th, I'll be in New York, um, but I'm also going to be in Atlanta, D.C., Houston. I've got great people on tour with me, Seth Godin, Alex L., Elaine Walteroff, the former teen editor of Vogue. I mean, it's going to be beautiful. And, um, and then above all else, you know, I'm on the internet at Nicole Walters. So just come hang out with me, laugh look at pictures of my cute kids, you know, and tell me that I, my eyebrows look great and that I look skinny in that dress, you know, be friends with me. So <laughs> I cannot we are, that. we are so there for all of these things. And anybody who's running around listening to my podcast, because people are like, I'm in the car, I'm driving, I'm, I'm running, I'm doing this, I'm exercising. I've got all of your links in the show notes. 
So don't even worry where people are like, wait, what did she say? Where am I going? What is the, you know, what's the information? Nothing is missing. It's the book. Yes. We don't have to forget that. And it's out October 10th. Yeah. Like, how to talk One to kids about anything. Yeah. They're like twins. So it's going to be so good. I'm so excited to have you on my show. I, I feel like this is the first of many. This is so fun. So interesting. I feel like we're like, I don't say two peas in a pod, like two yeah. halves of a whole. Like it's I'll like just it. works two together. It's not always this easy. They're not always this easy and fun. No, so I'm grateful. I'm yeah, very- this is going to be really good. So thank you so much for sharing all of your information with us. Oh, thank you for having me. Well, I've got my takeaways and sweet friends. I know you have yours. So let's discuss them. You can go up to my Facebook page on Dr. Robin Silverman. We can chat about it on Twitter, which is now X, as we know, we can do it on Instagram. Nicole and I are going to be going back and forth and I'm going to be creating memes of some of the things she said, because there were like things I'm like jotting down. I was like, Ooh, put that on a meme. Let's share that everywhere. I love all of her, like the way she speaks. Don't you love the way she speaks? Like these very inspirational nuggets. So you're like, Ooh, that should be on my mirror. Let's do that. I'm going to like post those around. You can cut them out, print them out like old school put them right on up there. You can use it as your wallpaper on your phone. Like that's more modern, right? And if you love this podcast, like I did, I hope you'll go up to iTunes and rate and review it. Those five-star reviews, I'm telling you, they blow my mind. I've been like taking some of your five-star reviews and putting them on memes to share them around. Every time I read them, they just excite me. And the more you give them, the more people will learn about me, my podcast, Nicole, all the things she's doing. The more we do that, just pick it. Like if this was your favorite episode, let's put a review on iTunes and rate and review it and say, this was amazing. And here's all the things I learned. And thank you so much. And now I'm following both of you. I would truly appreciate it. That's all the time we have for today. My fellow parents, leaders, and educators, thank you so much for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, our curriculum, you can go to drrobinsilverman.com. There's so many great podcasts up there. And the show notes to this podcast are up there as well. And guess what? My new, my podcast and all of the things up there look completely new and shiny. My website has been revamped. It's very exciting. I hope you'll go up there and tell my husband what a great job he did talking to the people who were working on it. He'd be so pleased. I am enjoying weathering the storms with you and enjoying those sunny sides of life together. And please remember, even on the days when you fall short, you've got this. Now, I know listening to Nicole, you're like, oh my gosh, she has it together. And she's telling you she's a hot mess, but you're like, ah, she looks like she's got it together to me. You may have heard something. You're like, I need to apply this to my life. And I messed up and I made a mistake and I should have said this and I should have done that. Don't do that to yourself. Instead, take the information and do it, right? Like, I know it's not easy, but never forget, there's usually a tomorrow. Parenting often provides that ultimate do-over. So if you heard something, you're like, ooh, that would be what I want to say to my child. Say it. If you made a mistake, say it. Tell them, I made a mistake. Here's what I wish I said. And let's do it again. I see you and I'm right there with you. And as there are moments when we doubt our know-how, our choices, and our sweet sanity, Please know you're 10 times the parent you think you are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting your conversation. See you next week. You've been listening to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com.